0: something
1: and like tore the roof off. <laughs> we, it, was, uh, it was exciting. It was wonderful. And I'm thankful that we have this place where our children are getting prepared for their Christmas presentation, which happens in two weeks. We're super excited about that. We're looking forward to that. They're working hard. and So we're going to be in here tonight and next Wednesday night. <laughs> 17. Put everything together, set up the work. Thank you, my friend, for getting everything set up um, for this tonight. We're looking forward to this weekend, Sunday morning, and then of course Sunday afternoon is the viewpoint parade. And um, from four, starting at four, and it will last till roughly six. We're looking forward to it. We've got a beautiful float this year. We've got sandwich boards, and and it's going to be a good. A good uh, opportunity for us to introduce ourselves to thousands of people in our city who may not know who we are. Uh, I'm glad to have our neighbor Shane tonight because he was here oh, wow. on Sunday, at the Sunday uh, a little bit Right in back here tonight. Uh, Shane he's lived across the street from the church for 10 years, so he's been in church with us before because we were in the parking lot definitely Heffaly services, so <laughs> he probably heard us then. Pentecostals are not that quiet, even when they're out, especially when they're outside. How many remember the Sunday we did a church outside and we got to blow on the horns? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it was just sort of pandemonium, but we were having fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, my brother. That's great. Appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, we're really glad you're here tonight. Looking forward to getting into the Word of the Lord. Looking forward to a wonderful weekend. I am, as already mentioned, I'm excited. And in God's hand upon Brother Leitner. Yeah, I answer mean, free, yeah. just God so wonderful. And, you know, yeah. after, uh, we prayed for Sister Bets last week, and, and Elder Shaw told me that she said she just felt like a brand new person in one week. And so, I don't know why anybody doesn't put their trust in God through prayer. Great prayer is your greatest resource. And you're in a battle, whether you know it or not. I don't know if you realize that, but. Uh, Everything you see is not all that there is. There is a spiritual warfare going on, a spiritual battle going on right now for your soul, for your soul. And uh, I don't know why anybody would not use the greatest weapon you have to win that war and that battle. And that's prayer. It's literally like having uh, the most powerful weapon in war and not using it. So if you're not praying consistently and passionately and fervently, uh, the Bible said, uh, that, that the uh, fervent prayer, passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if you're not doing that on a regular basis, you're missing out. Amen. Amen. John chapter 4. We have been, we'll conclude tonight, uh, we've been going over some various instances in the New Testament um, with people responding to faith. Uh, particularly how Jesus responds to our faith. How do I get Jesus' attention in my life? How do I get God to respond to me in my life? How do I get the attention of God? Uh, faith faith is that gigantic beacon like a lighthouse that you see on the edge of the North Carolina coast. Faith is that beacon of light that gets the attention of God that says, I believe that you can change my situation. And faith moves God. And so we've been talking about people that demonstrated faith and how Jesus responded to it and learning learning from that. Uh, John chapter 4 and we're going to begin reading in verse uh, 43. John chapter 4 in verse uh, our lesson tonight is from Cana to Capernaum. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee, verse 44 of chapter 4, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then he, when he was <laughs> coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem, at the feast, For they also went unto the feast. Verse 46. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was coming out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him. And he besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Verse 49, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. And he went his way. Two more verses of scripture. And as he was now going. Someone say now going. going. He moved in faith. When he had no evidence. As he was now going down. His servants met him. And told him saying. Now son liveth." Then he inquired. He of them the hour. When he began to amend. And they said yesterday. At the seventh hour. The fever left. So the Father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Thy son liveth and himself believed in his whole house. Wow. The moment, yeah. the moment that Jesus spoke the word, fifteen miles away, son that was at the point of death instantly was healed. Instantly was healed. Wow. There is power in God speaks. Ah, there's power. Oh, yeah. And we have to believe in that power and have faith in the words of Jesus. It's imperative. Our faith activates that. A few years ago, a minister and his family were in a time of transition. They had resigned one ministry position and they were seeking God for direction. They knew for certain that he wanted them to step away from the church. They were leading, but they did not know where. God wanted them to go next. Leaving one position with no promise of another seemed a little crazy, but they were willing to follow God's will. So not long after their resignation, another door of opportunity appeared to open. They felt good about this potential opening, and it seemed like God was giving them the green light. Then, unexpectedly, the door closed. You ever thought you knew what God was doing and then he took a left turn on you? This was their predicament it was a bit devastating to be honest the family was questioning what god was doing but they knew in spite of their questions they had to trust him and wait for his direction in the meantime the family began attending a nearby church led by a pastor they knew and trusted god also opened doors for them to preach in other area churches and their ministry was in somewhat of a they could feel the situation was going to change soon. Late that spring, at the close of a midweek Bible study, much like tonight, the pastor stopped the service and addressed the young minister directly. He declared that God was about to answer three prayers for this hand. The young minister accepted this prophetic word of faith, and within a few days, the answer began arriving. First, God worked a notable financial miracle for the family. Then, a new ministry opportunity opened that the young minister did not even know existed. Finally, the third prayer answered, finally the third miracle. Their young daughter received the Holy Ghost. As a bonus, God provided the family with a new house that was much closer to their new church and new ministry opportunity. It was a challenging season. It was a holding pattern. There were many questions for this young family. But it was also a time when their faith in God was tested. But it grew. Anything that's going to grow must be tested. Your faith included. Say, God, increase my faith. Because if my faith increases, it increases my capacity to allow God to do things in my life. But in order for your faith to grow, many times it's got to be tested. It's got to be tested. And this young family was tested, but God spoke. He went above and beyond in fulfilling their promise. You can believe when God speaks. You can trust in Him. Your faith and your trust and your confidence in God is in a good place. And it's safe. You need to have confidence in God. John 4 begins with the account of Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman. We talked about that last week. And we talked about her sinful past and how this woman was a societal outcast. She was at the bottom rung of the ladder, socially speaking. And yet Jesus took the time, we talked about this last week, to minister to her. Those others would, others would not talk to her. Others would not want to have any dealings with her. Jesus said, uh, I've got to be for before you. And as John 4 progresses, we see Jesus tonight encountering a man from a much different situation, a much different place, a much different station in life. The King James Version describes him as a certain nobleman while other translations describe he was a royal official. So think of somebody with authority or power, someone that had the ability to make things happen. That's who this guy was. And so we see in just two weeks and in this one chapter, people from opposite ends of the spectrum. One, a lady that no one wanted to deal with, who had a, a past that was embarrassing, a past that she was ashamed of, we see Jesus talking to her, changing her life, giving her living water, her running into town, telling everyone, and everybody comes and hears Jesus. Many lives are changed. A little further in the same chapter, Jesus encounters now someone who's at the top of the road. A noble man, someone who's influential, regardless if you feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole, whether your life is a mess, You've got all kinds of drama and problems and you're ashamed and you're embarrassed and you're an outcast. That's okay. Jesus is there for you as well. Or maybe you feel like I'm not someone that's in a mess. My life is not a tragedy. My life is not necessarily in a bad place. That's okay. I can tell you that Jesus is there for you as well. And so in just one chapter, we see Jesus dealing with someone from opposite ends of the space. Yet regardless of their drastically different backgrounds, both individuals responded to Jesus in faith. The Samaritan woman became a witness to the entire community, while the nobleman's dying son was healed. These two accounts remind us that Jesus loved everybody. Not just the down and out, those that are up and coming. Those that are rich, those that are poor, right? Those that have it all together or think they have it all together are those that their life is in complete shambles. Everybody needs Jesus, and who's there for everybody. Yes. These accounts remind us that it is faith. Someone say faith, faith, not social standing. That is the key to receiving Him. If the mayor of this town walks in to this service tonight. He wants God to do a miracle for them. Yeah. Or someone who's completely homeless and broke. Both of them are going to have to have faith. That's right. You can't pay your way in. You can't bargain your way in. You can't name drop your way in. Right? You can't leverage your way in. the end of the day, every single person, from the top of the total world to the very bottom, must demonstrate faith that God can and will change their situation preach faith, we can sing about faith and tell you about faith, but ultimately it's your responsibility to say regardless of my situation, I do believe that God can change it. I do believe that He has the power to heal and to mend and to restore, to deliver, to forgive me of my sins. You have to have faith that He will do that. And that be a, the Bible says it can be a mustard seed. Mustard seed has potential to grow, but it's not starting out something that's great. And so you may say, Pastor, I don't feel like i got a lot of faith. That's okay. You don't have, to have a lot. But you do have to have faith. And believing God can change your situation. That is the key to receiving a miracle in your life. And so the noble man heard that Jesus was in Galilee. Regardless of whatever authority this noble man possessed, who he was in the community, how important he was as an official in the government, he was powerless against the illness that was destroying his son's life. We see it all the time. Celebrities with money to burn, athletes with money to burn, they arrive at a point in their life when they realize there's some things you just can't buy, there's some things that take an act of God. There were some things that required a divine intervention of the creator of the universe. And that's where he was at. He was influential. He was somebody in the government. People knew who he was. But none of that could heal his son. His son was still dying. In his hour of distress, this man heard a report that produced a spark of hope. Jesus had come into Galilee. In fact, the Lord was in Canaan, where he had performed his very first miracle, turning water into life. Jesus' hometown of Nazareth was not far from Canaan. This is where he grew up. This was his stomping grounds. And yet, Jesus did not go there. Matthew recorded a visit Jesus made to Nazareth, and he recorded this, and this is a tragedy. God forbid you would ever say, What I'm about to say about Nazareth, about this church. This is what he said about Nazareth in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And how tragic is it that Jesus could be in the middle of your community? He has the ability to resurrect the dead, he has the ability to open up blind eyes unstopped dead ears, forgive sin, and yet because of unbelief, he can't do anything? How tragic is it? It's no more tragic than coming to church and having the creator of the universe in your midst, where two or three are gathered together. The Bible says he'll be there. He inhabits the praises of his people. But just because he's here, doesn't mean he can do for you what you need him to do. He was in that. He was present and he was there. But unbelief bound his hands. Because his, his word says unless you have faith, it is impossible. It takes faith. And so he can be in church. He can be blessing the person next to you. The person behind you can get a healing. The person in front of you can have a miraculous intervention, a provision by God. And you can sit right there and not get anything because of unbelief. He was in Nazareth and couldn't do anything. No mighty words it is imperative that if you come to church, you walk in those doors with anticipation and with faith saying, I believe God. I believe He still heals. I believe He still forgives. I still believe He heals sicknesses and disease. I believe He puts lives back together. I believe He still does. I believe He can do it for me. That allows God to operate in your life. And so He was in Cana because Nazareth was filled with unbelief. Mm-hmm. Jesus also met rejection in Judea and Jerusalem, the heart of Judaism. Those who should have recognized him as their Messiah instead chose to persecute him and eventually crucify him. It's sad that I have met people that wouldn't really even call themselves Christian that believe and have more faith in God, the people that claim to be Christians. Yeah, right? Right? I've seen Christians so full of skepticism and doubt and unbelief. They feel like they've seen it all, experienced it, know it all. And yet I've seen people who don't even go to church They have childlike faith in God. And when you pray for them, they just expect it to happen. And sometimes Christians, they're like, well, I just didn't pray for it again. It's a waste of time. I'm just going through the motions. And you're right. It is a waste of time. Unless you have faith and confidence and know. Mm -hmm. A child gets prayed for. They got a headache. They believe by the time they get back to the seat, the headache's going to be gone. Yes. I remember Macy when she was little bitty. We had a cat that ran away. She didn't know that I was praying. The cat would run away. (laughs) Just kidding. Cat ran away. She loved this cat. She She was heartbroken. Literally heartbroken. And uh, so she went into her Sunday school class And I don't know It might Sister been the White I think it was actually Sister of White uh, What a saint She taught Macy in Sunday school And she's here serving God What a saint <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Mason, she said Y'all pray that my cat comes back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That cat's gone This has been gone a long time The next day the very next day, I get a call. We lived in P-boy. I get a call from the Carey um, Animal Shelter, mm-hmm. and they said, "Hey, we uh, we found the cat, and apparently, it's got a chip. We scanned the chip, and uh, it's coming back to you. We are in Cary. What? So I uh, went and got that cat and brought it home. And when I told Nancy about it, I just thought she would go crazy. She was happy to see the captain She wasn't the least bit surprised that God answered her prayer. She was like, oh, I knew God would do it. And I thought, I wish I was more like that. Because God can operate with that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. God responds to that kind of thing. Yeah. But when God answers our prayer, like, it did? Yeah, it did? Are you sure? Really? And we wonder why I don't have more be more like a child. Right. And when we pray, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Right. When we believe God and trust in Him, we know He, doesn't, he doesn't go away. We know it's possible. Right. We know it can happen. With more childlike faith, the more He can operate. And so here He was, He was in Canaan, because Nazareth, Judea, and Jerusalem, He didn't waste the time. No need to go through that. In fact, we read it tonight. John 4 and 44. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. How sad was it that in his own country he was just Jesus? He's just Jesus. That's just Joseph's son. You know, He's just a carpenter's son. He's just Jesus. And he goes 15 miles down the road and performs miracles. Come on, somebody. He said a prophet had no honor in his own country. They got too familiar with it. Can we get too familiar with the power of God that we discount his ability to change our situation? Therefore, letting unbelief nullify his power. We can never get so accustomed and so used to church and the moving of God's presence and what God can do in a single service. That we do not allow Him to work in our life. People that come in and feel the presence of God for the very first time, they're like, my God, that was incredible. I had chill all over me. I felt God. Oh, I felt the very hand of God. I felt His presence. And someone sitting right next to Him can barely stay awake. Right? So it's imperative that He never becomes just Jesus. It's never just church. It's never just a song. It's never just a song. That every single service, song, sermon, sermon, altar call, prayer is an opportunity for God to perform a miracle. Amen. Amen. There were cities that did acknowledge the power and authority Jesus possessed, and He made sure He visited those locations. I know where a church and the doors are open, and I don't mean He's gonna be here. He has to know that when he gets here, he's going to find faith. The Bible says, the Son of Man searching and he's looking for faith. Will he find faith at the Pentecostals? Because it's faith that will cause him to respond. The nobleman, he lived in Capernaum. He was 15 miles away from where Jesus was at. Considering that this event occurred centuries before the advent of modern travel, there was not obviously cars, planes, trains. This was not just a short distance. When's the last time you got up and walked 15 miles? Or run a horse for 15 miles? And yet the difficulty did not matter to this man. His son had a serious need and no one had been able to help him. And so 15 miles was nothing. I'll do whatever it takes. The Gospel of John does not reveal the nature of this young man's Only. That he was at the point of death. So it was very serious. The doctors were present. They apparently pronounced there was no hope. They had given up on him. The family had been called to the bedside. Loved ones were saying their last goodbye. And this dad took off looking for Jesus. As the doctors looked on helplessly. And family members braced for the worst. The young man's father heard a report that Jesus, the miracle worker, had come to Galilee. So he slipped away quietly away from his son's bedside and he headed out the road to Canaan. If someone we love has a serious illness, most of us will seek out the best doctors who offer the most advanced treatments. We'll do anything we possibly can do. A child is battling addiction. Parents have been known to mortgage their homes to pay for rehabilitation. In a time of desperate need, most of us will pay any price or endure any hardship to find a solution for one of our children. Love motivates us to do just about anything and everything we can do to help those that are closest to us. And as children of God, let me tell you, we can find comfort. And the love of our heavenly Father when we face moments of crisis, because there is no extent, there is nothing He won't do. We demonstrate faith in Him. The Apostle Peter instructed when He said in First Peter five and seven, "Cast all your cares upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. He careth for you. When doctors cannot find a cure, experts are baffled by the problem." We can, in the words of Hebrews 4 and 6, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. That's who you can go to. So the noble man came to Jesus. Now it's easy to imagine as we see this story playing out this noble man making his way from Capernaum to Cana with great haste. I don't think he was strolling down the road. I don't think he was taking his time. His son was literally moments away from dying. He didn't make unnecessary stops to visit with old friends or take in the scenery. He was on a mission. He had to get to Jesus' before his son finally surrendered to this illness. And when this important, influential man arrived in Cana, I'm sure he asked where Jesus was. Upon receiving the answer, immediately went to that address. When he finally found Jesus, the noble man pleaded with him to come down and heal his son. We recreate this scene in our mind and if we think about it, we can hear the desperation of this father's voice as he begs for Jesus to intervene and save his son from death. He had run out of options. Jesus was his last hope. And he was sure that if he could convince the Lord to go back with him, to confirm him, everything would be all right. This man truly believed that if Jesus spoke the word, if Jesus intervened, his son would be healed. And yet, there's a very strange response from Jesus. We've seen this over over the last several weeks, how the people think they know what Jesus is going to say and then he says something totally different. Remember last week Jesus told the woman, he said, go get your husband. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. And she's like, the eh, yeah. problem with that. He knew that. And so, similarly tonight, in our story, Jesus says something kind of out of the blue to this guy who's asking for him to come to Cappard and heal his son. I'm picturing what it would be like to meet Jesus in person we may recall the gentle Savior who gladly took children in his arms and blessed them. In Matthew 11:29. 29, he's described as meek and a lowly heart. And so, considering these similar accounts, we probably would expect Jesus to greet this man with outstretched arms and a warm smile. And if the nobleman was expecting to meet a meek and a gentle, quiet Jesus, he instead of immediately acquiescing to this man's pleas to heal his dying son, Jesus responded with something that kind of sounded like a rebuke. When he said in John 4 and 48, he it, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Huh. Unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. Yeah. Perhaps the disciples gave Jesus a surprise sideways glance. Wondering, Man, is he in a bad mood? Is he having a bad day? Like, it's kind of odd. Kind of an odd question. And John did not reveal the reason for Jesus' response. But it's kind of easy to imagine that the Lord was testing this noble man's faith. He was finding out if this man's faith was for real. A faith that cannot... Endure testing is not a faith worth having. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Right. And so Jesus in this moment was like testing this man's faith. let will see just how committed you are. And so he says, unless you see signs and morning, you're not going So the question was, would this man give up on first request? Upon this rebuke, upon this weird sideways comment by Jesus, would this man tuck his tail and walk away? Would he give up? Would he say well I knew this. what was going to happen and go back and bury his son or did he really believe Jesus was the only one who could intervene and save his son both Matthew and Mark record that Jesus responded in a similar manner in fact he responded to a similar manner to the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon-possessed Remember that? He initially almost insulted her when he said, It is not mean to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And so we see Jesus, in other instances in the Bible, testing someone's faith. They come to him and they say, We need you to intervene. We need a miracle. He takes a moment and he tests their faith. And this is what he was doing for this noble man. And just like the Syrophoenician woman, this noble man would not be discouraged. He had come too far to give up easily. He did not let Jesus' unexpected and seemingly abrupt response destroy his faith. Having been denied once, he simply asked again, Sir, would you come down to where my child is found? He was persistent, he did not give up. He was determined. Jesus made it clear that persistence is a key factor in request. And I want to tell you tonight, effective prayer requires persistence. Effective prayer means just because I did not get my answer this week does not mean I'm going to stop praying. Just because I did not see it happen yet does not mean I'm going to stop praying. I've known people pray 10, 15, 20 years. Brother White's father-in-law, the Charter, his wife prayed for him 28 years, I believe. It was over 20 years. I think it's 28 years he prayed for him before he finally came to God. If you give up easy, yeah. you're not going to see any miracles, right? right? Yeah. If you pray for rain, went outside and don't see it raining, and you stop praying, you're not going to see any miracles, right? Prayer takes persistence and determination, saying, God, I'm going to keep praying even when I don't see results. I'm going to keep praying even when it's not working out yet. I'm going to keep praying even when the doctor says it's still there. I'm going to keep being persistent and determined in my prayer. And so we see in this illustration that persistence is a key factor in that prayer. In Luke 18, he told the parable of an unjust judge. The story of a woman who received an answer because she would not stop asking. Luke 181 summarizes the meaning of the parable when it says, as men ought to always pray and not to faint, or not to give up, not to stop praying. Be determined. Let that hard head work out for something good for a change. Let that stubbornness work to your favor. Say, you know what? I'm just too hard-headed to stop praying. I'm just too stubborn to stop praying. I'm going to keep on praying. I don't care what they say. I don't care what family, friends, their circumstances say. I'm going to keep on praying. That persistence will prayer. Luke 11 and 8 when he said he was extolling complimenting the virtue of inopportunity, which means shameless persistence. Hmm. Shameless persistence. I don't care what people think. Right? Right. I remember as a young man and a kid, you know, back in the day, uh, we don't do this anymore because it just takes over service, but Back in the day, if you had a prayer request, you just lifted your hand and everybody went around, you know, speaking out their prayer request. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, probably wasn't a smart idea back then, it's definitely not now. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, sometimes prayer requests just take somebody from an opportunity to talk because they want to talk. But I remember precious saints of God. Oh, yeah. And they would say the same prayer request all the time. Y'all oh. breaking my husband. I'll pray for my wife. I'll pray for my son and daughter. You know those kids, are like, but the Bible describes shameless persistence. I don't care what you think. Laugh, snicker, they fun all you want to. I'm shamelessly going be persistent in my prayer. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep talking to God. I'm going to keep trusting in Him. And every time I need to pray, I'm going to pray. That's what the Bible describes. Shameless persistence. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul urged perseverance in prayer. Do you have any, you haven't received an answer yet? I want to encourage you not to stop asking. Truth faith perseveres in prayer regardless of what they seem like setbacks. If you live for God more than 30 minutes, you know sometimes setbacks are just set ups. Setbacks are just set setup for a neural. It just makes the miracle greater. It makes God get all the praise and all the glory. If we can figure it out, we can work it out. It happens when we think it's going to happen. It happens just like we think. God doesn't get the glory. Right. But so when you throw up your hands like, I've done all I can do. Everybody's saying, it ain't going to happen. Right. The doctors have said, there's no hope. Right. Everybody's telling me to shut up about it. And then God steps in and performs a miracle. God gets the glory. God gets the glory. God gets the glory throughout the gospel Jesus healed people using many different methods put his fingers in a deaf man's ears spit on his own fingers touched the man's tongue commanded the man's ears and mouth to open in the following chapter we see Jesus spit in a blind man's eye in John 9 6 Jesus put clay in another man's eye Matthew 8, three, Jesus touched a leper, an act that was forbidden by cultural and religious customs. Matthew 9.20, the one with the issue of blood touched Jesus and was immediately healed. These diverse methods show that healing power was not in the mechanics or the act or some magic ritual, but that healing was in the Lord Himself. Healing is not because you pray a perfect prayer. Healing is not because that that you shake some bead or you go through some ritual. Healing, intervention, and miracles come from God alone. Right. From God alone. Seems clear from the text of John chapter 4, the nobleman expected Jesus to travel with him back to Capernaum. But Jesus defied the man's expectations by responding to his petitions with a simple command. Go thy way, thy son there. This man was saying, Hey, travel with me to where my son is at, you can heal him. Jesus said, Get on down the road, your son's going to be alright. <laughs> Jesus may not have done what he expected. Did you know what this father did, nonetheless? John reported, And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. There was no record. that he, he expressed a shred of doubt about what Jesus did. He didn't get upset. He wasn't cynical. He wasn't critical. He didn't continue to beg and plead. When he received the word, when God spoke, he didn't demand proof healing that healing had actually occurred. He took Jesus at his word and he returned home. Do we trust Jesus enough to take him at his word? Do we trust him enough to take him at his word? This man did. There is power in Jesus' words. Mark 5 and 36 says, if we only believe. I don't know what thoughts ran through this noble man's mind as he was returning back home. I don't know if he thought, man, this was a wasted trip. Like, to be sure, it took more than just Jesus saying one sentence. He's not coming back with me. I had all plans of me traveling back with him. Him walking in, laying his hands on my son's head. And there'd be a great miracle. Here I am. I'm going back home by myself. What's my family going to think? This was a failed trip. We don't know what he was thinking. Was he plagued by doubt about what weighed him at home? Or did his faith remain strong throughout the entire journey? He had received a promise of healing for his son, but no confirmation had been provided. He had a word of assurance. That was it. And as he came closer to the burning, the Bible says, His servants met him on the road and gave him joyful news. Thy son liveth. Now, that's probably the three greatest words he had ever heard in his entire life. He sees his servants coming down the road and he's like afraid of what they're going to say. Yeah. Like a doctor coming through the door and he's got that look on his face. What's he going to say? Those servants came down the road and he's like, they said, that's son of the And he knew in that moment his faith and his trust in God was the smartest thing that he'd ever done. Can I tell you, you'll never regret putting your faith in God. You'll never regret putting your trust in God. I ain't gonna stop eating and stop sleeping. I'm gonna trust me in God. Right. Never regret it. He yeah. said, thou son living. <laughs> I suspect that son of that father was very happy. Yeah. An expression of joy must have so broken out of his face as he heard these words. The promised miracle had come to pass. But I like this guy's way of thinking. You know, generally, and I'm about to wrap it up, generally uh men are very analytical. Women generally are more driven by faith and that they'll accept faith, but a man, we're very analytical, we want to know how it works, we want to tear it apart, from, you know, little boys, they tear things apart, they want how it works, so uh, that's why the Bible says I worry that men would lift up holy hands without and doubting, because men struggle with doubt, because we want to know how it works, how's exactly it going to happen, and so I could see this man thinking, well, I'm just wondering if the boy got better on his own. (laughs) And so he asked the question, when exactly did that boy get better? When exactly did he get up off that bed? Incredibly enough, as he began to inquire, he found out at the exact hour that Jesus spoke the word, this boy got out of bed. Yes. (laughs) I'm sure in that moment he was like, "All right, oh, yeah. he's a miracle worker. He's never been here the same words. Yeah. He intervenes. He's a miracle, yeah. Yeah. right? I've heard testimonies of people praying for somebody, and then halfway across the globe, in that same hour, even at different time zones, different times up on the hemisphere, in that same moment, healing would take place. That's exactly what this father experienced." Stand with me. We constantly exercise faith in the word of others. So well, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust very easily. But you know what? You probably went to work this week, trusting that your employer is going to pay you at the end of the week. Parents expect their children to trust their words. How many of you, as parents, have ever fallen back on this because I said so? That's why. Oh yeah. My oh, boy, when you're seven, you can't stand those words. As a parent, we feel authority. In so much that we don't have to provide details. We don't got to take it how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, exactly what all the details are. It's because I said so. <laughs> when are we going to start trusting God Just because he said so right. I don't need the details I don't know how I don't need the win I don't know why All I need is because he said so right. Because his word says he'll never leave me right. He'll never forsake me right. Because right. his word says he'll be a friend right. That's even closer than a brother right. yeah. I can take him and his word So yeah. don't ever get frustrated When feel God is not moving In your time frame when he is, when you think he ought to move or how he ought to move. I want to challenge you tonight in closing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing God. Don't stop trusting. If you're praying for something, you've not seen the miracle. Don't stop praying. Right. If you've been praying and it seems like it's going the opposite direction, don't stop praying. Right. Don't stop believing God. They're like, Pastor, I'm praying for my kids and they're acting like more heathens than when I wasn't praying for. Right? God, I'm praying for a financial miracle. Then you go in the opposite direction. They don't to stop praying. That's right. And sometimes a setback is a setup for a miracle. That's right. This man received a rebuke instead of an admonition. He thought Jesus was going to compliment him and pat him on the back. you went 15 miles and you came and you asked him, Lord, let me give you a high five. You're great. You're awesome. No, Jesus said, let's just see sign in the words, you ain't going to believe. He received a rebuke. You know what he did? He asked again. Just because you see a setback, something you weren't expecting, not working out in the way, you think don't. Yeah. don't stop coming to church. Right. Don't stop praying. Yeah. Don't stop doing what's right. right. And in that persistence, and in that consistency, and in that faithfulness, you will give God the ability in that moment to operate in your life. Right. Right. Lift your hands and say, God, I want to be consistent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, help me to be more determined than I've ever been. Oh, oh, help me, God, not to give up when things are not going my way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. God, I may not see it. I may not see you working. I may not see you doing the things I need done. I may not see doors opening, but I'm going to keep praying, keep doing what's right, keep believing, keep being faithful to you, to your house, and know, God, your timing is perfect. Your ways are perfect. Your ways are above my ways. I will trust you. Someone say, I trust you, Jesus. Come on, say it again. I trust you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. We are looking forward to uh, It's a seasonal time of the year, but it's exciting. December is a wonderful time. Lots going on. But it's going to be a great time. God bless you. Love you. Have a great night. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.